back in the fur shed. This is Trapping Today. I'm Jeremiah Wood. Great to be here. Thanks for coming along, guys. It's been a while. It's been a long time. I kind of cut some of that intro song out. Just thought maybe guys are getting tired of listening to that intro song all the way through every episode. So anyway, um, I'm back here. It is the end of May and been a lot going on so we're going to get into a few different topics uh, uh, on trapping outside of trapping but first i want to thank our sponsors cots brothers lures k-a-a-t-z-b-r-o-s.com cots bros is the place to get your trapping supplies they were the f- very first sponsor of trapping today and the trapping today podcast and uh, just a, a great great couple of guys there kyle and kellen cots over in illinois and uh, they've got an uh, excellent selection of baits and lures, traps, and all the different trapping supplies that you need. Go to kotzbros.com, K-A-A-T-Z-B-R-O-S, um, to shop. On X, the Hunt app is the most comprehensive mapping program that you can have on your phone, on your tablet, on your laptop, on your desktop, whatever. Um, use it when you're out in the field, in the woods, on the trap line when you're hunting fishing or if you're like me and you're building a bunch of fences for livestock i actually did a lot of cool things with onyx uh using using the app as well uh for for the farming application it's kind of cool so i just took take the aerial photos from onyx and i on my laptop with a big screen i was able to make a bunch of measurements and draw out some lines where i was going to put different fence lines and lanes and all that stuff and water locations and it was a, a really useful way to use the app and uh Hey, if you want to zoom out, I can go over to my trap line and kind of check things out and see see what the aerial imagery looks like and where where I have trapped in the past and and all that. So, thanks to both Cosbros and Onyx, you can get twenty percent off of your first purchase of OnyxMaps.com by using the promo code TRAP T R A P when you check out OnyxMaps.com. Um, use that code. You're going to get 20% off. They're going to kick a little back to me. So we all win. All right, guys, a few things going on today. Let's see. I've got a little list here. I want to give you a little update on, on my life. What's been going on here. Why you haven't heard from me in a while. Um, not just because it isn't trapping season. Um, we have the results of the fur harvesters auction. The, uh, auction that took place this past weekend as i record this uh it concluded yesterday and the results are out so we could talk a little bit about fur prices give you my thoughts on that we can maybe talk a bit about spring beaver trapping i did a little bit of trapping not much but just enough to get it out of my system uh update on the magazine and a couple other things that we'll get into but uh, first off yeah um i kind of well, if you listen to that last episode I did with Chris Pope, and by the way, pretty amazing that to me that even though I've been off of here for like over a month, actually a little more than that, the downloads are still coming in. They're still like, I looked at it, I just looked at it today, and I hadn't looked at it in honestly in like a month, the podcast downloads. And like just yesterday, I think it was just yesterday, like got 400 new downloads to the podcast that uh, and I haven't put anything new up there and, uh, it's just kind of people keep rolling in. So it's great to, to have you guys on. I have had a few emails from folks who have recently 
caught on to the podcast and started listening and have sent me emails. And I, I, I've responded to a few. Some, I honestly, I'm so sorry, but I have not got back to you. And uh, I'm, I'm been terrible with that. And it's just, I'm just so out of it. I'm so out of the mentality and, and uh, the past, uh, the past several days. I mean, I've been working out in the woods for work. And of course, when you're out in the woods overnight, staying at remote camps and stuff, you, you can't get any work done at home. Um, so at home on the farm, I'm not getting anything done when I'm out there. And then I come home and then I'm pretty much daylight to dark. You know, the last, had the last three days off and, and I've been working on some big projects and pretty much wake up in the morning, grab a coffee, go outside and I am outside working until dark pretty much I mean today I get in a little early so I could record this podcast and still get some sleep tonight but um, it's been it's been hard to sit down and catch up with my email so I apologize for that but yeah like I've talked before in in past more recent episodes I've been kind of starting to focus a little more on some things outside of trapping because I just have this really strong desire to have a little more financial freedom in the future to to maybe be able to spend more time trapping, and uh, I I know I can't do that right now. It's not a reality. But the harder I work, hopefully, the closer I will potentially get to that. So I've we we picked up you know the the farming thing is it's kind of it's a side gig you know I my real job pays the bills to feed my wife and three kids and me and and put pay for diapers and keep uh keep the electricity bill up and all that stuff and you know that's good that that's really good it pays the bills and the the farm uh is kind of um it's it's a it's an investment and it's a side job but sometimes certain times a year it's just uh you know 20 minutes a day and other times it's a full full out full-time job 40 hours in my regular job and 40 hours on the farm and that's the way it's been recently because we got a lot going on so we had uh we had like 27 bred cows and uh and then we had their calves from the previous year so that we we're coming into uh into late march mid-march i guess um with with those animals and we had the opportunity to expand a little bit and and we basically uh gambled invested whatever you want to call it and we purchased 20 black angus cows that were bred and so we added we we didn't quite we didn't double the size of the herd but we added to it pretty substantially and so now we've you know we've we've had those since uh april and we're uh we're going right straight out kind of trying to manage a much bigger bunch of animals and they're all calving right now we have uh, 30 calves uh, 30 calves on the ground and I don't know how many more to go but we're gonna have like 45 or so hopefully so that would make 15 do the math oh genius um, so yeah we're right, right in the middle of calving and it's springtime and we're trying to manage pastures and put up fencing and fix the fences from the previous from last winter as well as uh, add new fencing and add new water infrastructure and, and all that to try to manage more animals. So it's been it's been kind of crazy to to try to fit it all in and and uh, it it's pretty clear to me at this point 
that we were going to be short on grass. <laughs> and uh, the only way to try to manage through that that I can see is to really work hard on rotating animals and giving pastures as much of a rest as possible, meaning a lot more labor, time and effort in, in fencing, temporary electric fencing and water infrastructure, moving water troughs, moving water lines and hoses, moving fence lines, fence posts and all that stuff. So uh, it is uh, kind of crazy. And uh, we've got, we've got an additional 45 acres that up the road from the house that we lease. And the, we've had an issue there for a while where last year we had 45 acres. We only had nine animals on it because the water just could not keep up with the amount of um, animals that we wanted to put on that farm. So there's an old well there that we're drawn from and, and there's, it's the only way to get water there at the moment. So what I did this year is I, I bought a 3,000 gallon water tank uh, to pump to from the well and then feed the trough with that tank so that the well can kind of pump. It's a, off a solar system with batteries and uh, it can kind of it can pump all night if, as long as the batteries last and then uh, and then you know drain out during the day and, and sort of hopefully handle more animals. But uh, we just got three loads of yearlings. Uh, moved up there this morning uh, well three trailer loads so we got 24 of them moved up there and starting to graze this morning I had to put in some additional lanes to allow us to graze different pastures and have animals be able to go back to the water to access water so yeah it's it's a process it's a big long process and we're clearing ground right now trying to um trying trying to make room for more for storage of hay bales because we're going to have at least five or six hundred round bales that we're going to be i'm going to be hopefully making here in a month starting in a month and got to have a place to put them and if we put them on good pasture then that's more area we can't graze we're trying to open up a bunch of old brushy ground that hasn't had livestock in it for 50 plus years and uh, that is a process and so i'm using a skid my skid steer with a a shear attached to the front of it to shear off uh, the trees and bushes and then coming behind with a tractor with the wood chipper and also a bunch of stuff that can't be chipped thorn bushes and big stuff and just challenging um, brush and so forth and that's being piled into big brush piles so lot going on a lot of stuff going on here and uh it's it's keeping things busy so hey uh, sorry to divert away from trapping a little bit but uh in case you're wondering what was going on with me that's what's going on with me as far as trapping i did trap for about a week uh the spring beaver season toward the end of april it was an interesting season i didn't do much i i trapped everything within walking distance of my house and uh and, and I caught a few beaver, caught eight beaver and an otter, um, just a few traps. And, and it was good. It was just enough to kind of get it out of my system so I could feel like I trapped. I just, I can't stand to, to not, uh, to not trap when it's, it's right there in front of me, you know, and, and the season's open and stuff. So, uh, it was kind of interesting cause I'd been down there the, this winter there was someone that came by and was trapping the areas that i i've i've been the only one that's trapped it for at least five or six years 
uh, and someone new had come in. I, I don't think they'd ever trapped before, and they made a bunch of sets this winter, so I kind of went and checked it out, see what they were doing, just out of curiosity. Uh, and I, there was no beaver sign. I hadn't trapped it. I didn't, hadn't, yeah, I hadn't, I don't think I set a beaver trap there last fall because there was just no sign there. Uh, I may have, no, I did, ca- I may have caught a couple, but there wasn't, there was hardly anything there. And uh, this winter there wasn't, he was trapping a couple of abandoned lodges. I don't, I don't think he caught anything, but it's just amazing guys with this, when, when the ice melts and things open up, the beaver just come out of the woodwork and they just, they start moving through and, and they just pop up out of nowhere. You, you, uh, a place that was completely devoid of beavers, just crawling with them for those first, uh, the first week or two after ice out. So I didn't have to move very far. They came to me and I had fun. Uh, it was an interesting season for folks that, that did, uh, trap pretty hard. Uh, my friend Billy Thompson was up here again. He did pretty well. He was pretty much by himself this year. Um, I I kind of I'd wanted to spend more time hanging out with him. Didn't get wasn't really able to unfortunately. But um, he he did pretty well. Um, I talked to Brian Bernoski. He did really well. It, he had a super impressive catch um, trapping before and after work um i i I, i'm gonna try to get him on and talk about his beaver trapping because it's it's unique to me in the sense that the efficiency the number of beaver he caught the number of sets that he had out was pretty impressive i i thought so that that was good uh he's he's a few hours a couple of two three hours south i guess of of where i'm at oh maybe a little further um and yeah, but in general, it was a, it was a late, it was a really weird season. This has been really weird all year. Um, I don't know if this is just the way weather is going to be now, but I mean, it, it warmed up, it cooled down, it warmed up, it cooled down and, and everything here started melting in early April. And it was like, like late March, late, late March, early April, everything was, every day was getting above freezing during the day snow was starting to melt everything was looking like wow and that's why i picked up those 20 cows I was like man this is gonna be perfect we're gonna get into an early spring and uh we're gonna we're gonna get on grass early they're gonna start calving and all that well then the northwest wind started to blow and it didn't stop blowing and it still hasn't stopped blowing but uh it, it delayed things i mean it brought cold air and it was just super super cold and everything stayed froze up and and it didn't the the ice didn't let out in around here until oh, it was about ten days to two weeks from the end of the season. So some some years you get a good three weeks. Uh, this year you got between a week and a half to maybe two weeks, depending on where you're at. The river opened up, but then a lot of the ponds, just uh, a lot of the beaver ponds, were still locked in for quite a while. So it it was a a pretty short season. And in the middle of that, uh, things all of a sudden exploded and the water, we got a bunch of rain, rain on snow, and the water came up, uh, the river was up like four feet, maybe a little bit more than that. I had some some sets that, um, I mean, it was just, it's, it was unbelievable. From the time, the high water mark to the low water mark when I pulled my traps, it was probably 
uh, probably six vertical feet in some places. That's that's how much it actually fluctuated. So um, if you had set at the low, there were times you, there was no way you were going to be able to check your traps. It's just crazy. Um, but but it it all came down and and uh, it was it was there and gone really really quick. And the, this really weird weather is it's it's still haunting us a little bit like we had we've had days where it's it's been i mean for a few days last last week i think it was thursday or friday thursday the high was like 45 degrees and it was cloudy and cold northwest wind like 20 30 mile an hour wind and it was like it was just bitter 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 cold and then yesterday it was 85 degrees and hot sunny and this tomorrow the next couple days it's going to be back in the 80s so uh it's just up and down up and down and really not much in between but uh yeah that's that's one of the things with trapping you know you just gotta you gotta be adaptable um one of the things that that i just kind of reiterated as i was making my few sets was just little subtle minor changes I try to pick a little bit up for every time. You know, even when I don't trap much, I try to learn a little bit from every bit of trapping that I do and trapping in the same spots. And so really what you find, it's it's almost like autopilot in some cases. Like some of these spots are just like you walk every year for the last 10 years, I've been setting traps in the same exact spot. And uh, it, it's just like, you don't even have to think boom, 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 boom. Well, um, a lot of times that works, but there are times when that doesn't necessarily work. And I, you kind of have to, you have to be willing to change things up a little bit to try and make, make it work. And I don't know if sometimes it's the, sometimes maybe it's the individual animal that doesn't like a particular set or like the approach that you're using and the way you have your set made up and, and they just don't travel that way or, whatever, maybe you got a little too much blocking and they don't want to go there and they go around it. Or maybe that particular path is just that for some reason that year, the way the current is, the way the water is, the channel, whatever, maybe they're not moving that through that, that way in, in the way that they were before. But there, there were cases where I just had to put in the extra effort to, to make a set a little bit different. And every check, you know, if things are, if I, if I, the, normally, honestly, I'm pretty lazy and I'll just come in and look at it and say, ah, it's good enough, you know, but what I tried to do, cause I only had a few sets was like, I'm going to make sure I have full confidence in these sets. And if I, if I go to check a set and I have to look at it twice and I question myself about it, I'm doing, I'm pulling it out and doing something different. And there were several cases where that happened this year and uh, it, it did really benefit me to, to, to change things up a little bit. So in one case I had a crossover that's just always been good to me. It's um, it's a kind of a side channel of the river and there's a, there's a high spot. There's kind of a, a pathway and all, it's really an old farm road that hasn't been farmed for 50, 60 years. And they, they they cross there was water on both sides and the animals cross up over it 
um, come out of the water, cross over it, and go back in. It's just one of those typical crossovers. And there's three or four spots where they do cross over. But this this one particular spot, uh, it I set it every year. It's always consistently good. Well, I set it, and I caught I caught a beaver. Um, I reset it, and I get and and it was in nothing, nothing. Um, I had, I I think I had a night or two that it just wasn't touched, and then I had um, beaver go around it. And I actually put a little, I put a stick, a um, aspen stick, um, on the edge of the water, just as a little more, a little added attractant, I guess. Um, just to, to, there, there are multiple ways beaver can move through this area. So just to kind of catch their attention and get them to go this way. And they went around the trap. I went around, this was a 330 set that was submerged. Our 330s have to be submerged and, and, uh, had a, a dive stick, um, to get the beaver to dive. And, and, uh, it went around that set. And went up on land and, and grabbed the the stick and took the took the bait. So, I what I did is finally I just I this isn't gonna work. I pulled the three thirty out. I walked over to the other end of the crossover and I looked and I said I'm gonna set this side. Well, that side didn't have a spot suitable for a three thirty, but it did have a great perfect location for a foothold. Um, so I went back, got my stuff, got my got a rock bag and a, a drowning cable and, um, and, a, and a TS 85. And I set it and two days in a row, the next two days, I got two beaver in that set. So it was just a, a simple case of, of switching it up. I had another location that was right close to the river and a water level fluctuated up and down, up and down a lot. And, uh, this one I was, I was moving that set like every day to a different spot because I just didn't feel right. And and I think I moved it. um, Oh, I want to say, I want to say I had that in like seven days and I moved it pretty much every day uh, to a different area in this, this spot as the water would uh, drop everything changed. It's just the, the way that the, the channel was configured where your travel, your, where the beaver would be traveling was completely different with a six inch water level change. And so every day I was, I was moving that, moving that. And, uh, I, it was like almost every other day, (laughs) every other day I'd make a catch there. It's kind of interesting that, but, uh, I'd, I'd come in there and, the water dropped and the travel pattern was different. And I'd go and move the trap a little further, put it in a a different channel, a different spot, come back. I'd have a beaver. I'd reset it there. And then I'd go back the next day and the water level would have dropped and I had to go move it to a different spot. And I kind of just, just played that game. But, um, in, in, I, I just remember a particular one day I had a trap and the water finally stopped dropping. And I had the set in this spot and, and I'm not sure what it was, but I knew there there were beaver moving through there. Um, you could actually have had several days where I could see them like, you know, 30 yards, 30, 40 yards away on the main river that where I couldn't really get to, but um, they were there. 
and they were coming in you'd see fresh sticks and stuff but i had a bait stick there and they the the beaver would not touch it and uh i i just i had i i do, i don't know why in particular but i pulled that trap up and i set it over like two feet and i set it back down and it was there was nothing different in the water level there was nothing different in the approach and the way that as far as I could tell, there was no difference in the two sets that I that I made there. The next day I had a beaver. So it's just a case again where uh, something that might seem very it might be so subtle that we don't even notice it, but but the animals might notice it and, and that could uh, affect things. So so uh, never be afraid to change things up um, when you when you're making sets. Okay, so moving on, we're going to talk fur prices, but first I want to give you an update on the magazine, the Trapping Today magazine. We have issue one, which is out. I think I've got it for sale. Uh, you can still find it. Go to trappingtoday.com and just click on magazine. Uh, it's like $2. I want, uh, pay to play, guys. Pay to play. Um, it was free for quite a while, but um, I am getting killed on, on hosting fees on that thing. Uh, and uh, I I don't know how much longer I'm going to be able to keep paying that uh, monthly hundred dollars plus a month just to keep that up there. Um, I have I, and thank you for guys who have contributed to issue two. I've been working on issue two of the magazine. My goal was to have that published on May first, and I don't need to repeat to you why that didn't happen. I've just uh, things have gotten so crazy here that I I just have not even looked at it since about the 25th of April. So uh, the magazine is still there. I apologize for folks who have contributed stories. Uh, they are going to get out. That is going to happen. That's going to get published. And uh, I don't I don't know exactly when, <laughs> but it, it is it is going to happen. Um, that is my goal to make that happen. And I've, I've written a bunch of articles for it. Uh, really, almost everything is finalized as far as articles and stories, it's just formatting that needs to be done and uh, layout. So um, I gotta I gotta get on that at some point, and I I don't know when that's gonna be again, but um, hopefully hopefully at some point <laughs> before the trapping season. How's that sound? A um, few other shout outs. Uh, Jeff Miller. He isn't. Uh, He's a guy from North Dakota. He is a writer. He's done. He's written a bunch of uh, outdoor articles. Um, in he's in. I think he's he's in fur fishing game. Uh, I want to say he's been in trap. He's been in the Trapper magazine and maybe Trapper's Post. I can't remember if he's in Trapper's Post, but uh, he does a lot of hunting, fishing, general outdoor farming type articles and uh, some trapping articles. And uh, he has a book that's coming out this summer. So stay tuned for that. Maybe we could get Jeff on. We actually, he had an, a book in the past that he published. And we talked about him coming on. But I just didn't feel like it was, I didn't feel like the focus was enough trapping material. But since then, I've seen a lot of Jeff's trapping articles pop up. And I didn't actually didn't realize he wrote so much about trapping. And I didn't realize he trapped that much. So uh, now that uh, now that that's fully come to light, um, I I'm uh, I'm looking forward to hopefully getting him on to help promote the book, and we'll see um, see if we can get that done. 
It's going to come out sometime this summer, and uh, I was able to get a sneak peek of the book and wrote a little blurb for it. So uh, that that's uh, it's good. It's good. It's going to be good. Um, and finally, just a shout out to Trappers Report. That's uh, trappersreport.com. Kind of a play on the Drudge Report, if you guys are familiar with that. Uh, just it's a news site. Let me type in trappersreport.com. I I had told the guy I was going to I was gonna give a shout out to it a, a while back, and I I just hadn't got around to it. Um, and honestly, kind of forgot the last episode that we did. But uh, it is a pretty cool website to keep up to date on trapping news. And uh, these guys they post a bunch of different stories. Um, it's it's interesting. Um, because I don't know if it's going to work or not, um, but the idea is that anybody can post stories on this. And so if you have something that that you're interested in putting up on, on this, you can, um, I don't even know, uh, I don't know what the process, how hard it is. I don't think it's that hard. Yeah, all you got to do is you click on the post a story um, you, you can paste a link, put in a title and hit submit and that's it. So you can, you can post up any type of trapping news article that you want to provide. If you have something that maybe your trapper association you want to promote, if you got, if you see something cool in your local paper or, you know, something online that you want folks to see, um, you can post that and, uh, it'll show up on that trappers report dot com um check it out maybe you'll learn something maybe you'll see a little bit of uh trapping news that um you weren't aware of okay we're gonna talk fur prices so this is hot off the press and i spent a lot of time this winter talking about fur prices after the last fur harvesters uh auction results came out and I did a bunch of stuff on trappingtoday.com did stuff on the YouTube channel and all that so uh, I I'm not gonna really get around to to doing that this round so this is probably probably about what we'll see what I'll, I'll end up doing is is just kind of looking through these results we'll talk about them and just provide I'll, I'll give you a few of my thoughts and, and where I'm at what I think it means for the market but um, in general, just a real quick summary, beaver were hot. Again, the beaver market is great. The rest of the market kind of sucks. Uh, and there are some people that I've talked to who are are fairly optimistic about the fur market and, and believe it's coming back. Uh, I want to be optimistic. I, I really want to be optimistic. But uh, everything that I see does not lead me to believe the fur market has a really good future. Um, and, and I hope that I'm wrong. I really want to be wrong on this, but guys, I just got to be, got to be realistic. I, I just don't see the fur market re-emerging to what it was in 2013, 2014 era. Um, I just, I, I don't see the countries that consume a lot of fur being in the position to do so anymore so so that's that's kind of what we're going to be dealing with i think um and uh it it really is in my opinion is a demand driven industry and the demand just isn't there for most species except for the beaver so 
Um, again, the Beaver were red hot last auction. This is all a Hatter market, and it's a Hatter market uh, right to the very end. Uh, uh, the same, very same thing this auction. And it really what that means is uh, quality as far as fur, um, fur thickness, as far as uh, how what good a job you did of putting up the pelt, uh, damage, uh, cuts in the hide, all that stuff. None of that matters because these pelts are being ground up into felt to make cowboy hats and to make other types of hats, the felt hats. So the hatter market is completely dominating this industry. And you could see it right here where uh, the first section, Eastern Beavers, averaged $29.32. Uh, there were 40,000 beavers offered at this auction, and 100% of them sold. So, so beavers were 100% clearance, 40,000. That's not a big number for, for a typical auction in the past. Um, it's more, I think, last, I think there were 30,000 in the last auction we had um, in March. And, uh, but, you know, it's it's a pretty decent number to be cleared out 100%. The first section Eastern, those are the, the very best. Um, they were $29.32. But the Western Beavers, which are typically going to be um, half price, of from the of the eastern beavers half to two thirds, they were twenty seven dollars and sixty eight cents. The western beavers average almost the same as the eastern beavers. Um, the third section beavers, which is the damaged ones, which are are very very poor and and usually are way discounted from the top beavers, were twenty seven dollars and seventy seven cents. <laughs> the third section did better than the first section western by nine cents <laughs> overall average for beaver was twenty eight dollars and eighty four cents I, I mean it's just um it was all volume it was all volume market there there was um virtually none of these beavers pelts are being used for things other than the hatter market there was there was a few that were bought by people that are have kind of small niche markets but that those were like the very the first few lots of the best Eastern beaver and that from then on it's mostly just hatters. So uh, that's good. I mean, as long as this lasts, but it, it's a, it's something that it's a trend that uh, could go away at any time. So uh, we, we, uh, we take advantage of it. We're happy for it. Beaver has finally shined. Uh, it's been a long time since beaver trapper could make any money. Um, if you look at this and you, you calculate, you factor in inflation and all that, um, it, I mean, this still isn't anywhere near where we used to be with the beaver market, but they're selling for like three times what they did two, three years ago. So um, we got to we gotta be happy to take what we can get. But honestly, um, it's still, I mean, it's going to get some people out trapping more, but I didn't see a, a dramatic increase in, in beaver trapping pressure around here as a result of of the high prices from the last auction. And it, I mean, when you look at the cost of living with the expenses, the fuel costs, the uh, really, I mean, it's still, it's, 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 it's good. It's a good, I mean, it's a, it's a decent paycheck if you work really hard and you have the time off to where you can really trap hard or you, or you, you just dedicate yourself to hundred percent trapping in every free minute you can get. 
it could be a pretty good payoff. Um, you know, you trap a hundred beavers uh, at at a thirty dollar average. You got three grand. You could do that in two three weeks uh, if you work really hard at it, and you might have a thousand in expenses, uh, something like that. Maybe maybe fifteen hundred. So uh, that's not bad. I mean, for you may have less actually if you tra- don't travel that much. Um, but a couple grand for a couple weeks of very enjoyable trapping. I mean, that's great. Uh, but there's only a certain number of people are actually going to do that. And for the guys back in the fur boom that were doing it for the money, this this isn't enough money to attract them. Uh, but the beaver market, we take advantage of it while we can because it's a good market and we're we got to be happy about it. Um, it. As I've said before, though, this market is what we call a bifurcated market, meaning there are two extremes and not really much in the middle. It's it's a split between, and the split really is beaver and everything else, with the exception of Martin and Fisher, which actually look pretty good. But uh, really the bulk of the, the remainder of the fur, just the market is poor. Um, and, and if you look at things like, you know, a mild winter in Europe, uh, Russia and Ukraine war, China's economy kind of still not doing that great. Uh, it makes sense. It makes sense that there wouldn't be a, a huge boom in a lot of this fur. The ranch mink is still backed up. It's still not selling that well. So uh, wild mink sold. Uh, there were 4,000 wild mink offered. 32% of them sold for an average of $8.84. The, I, and this time around, guys, um, last time I set, and I listened to the vast majority of the auction. And for a number of the items, like for species that I was real interested in, I sat down and I had the catalogs in front of me and I was writing down prices for everything. This time around, I was on the tractor or or the skid steer and I had my earbuds in and I was listening to it on YouTube, listening to the auction live stream. And uh, I... I, I I kind of got the feel for some species, but I didn't listen to the whole thing. Just it was just on and on. It was a lot of a lot of more of the same. You can listen to it for about five minutes and get an idea how that auction's gonna go. Uh, so I did not listen to most of these species get auctioned off. Uh, you can go back on YouTube and, and re-listen to those streams, though, which could be pretty informative. Uh, but I I would assume that those mink were the very best of. Of the mink that were offered that sold for 884. Martin were good. Uh, the first section heavy, so like your your Alaskan and, and better Canadian Martin averaged just under 50 bucks, and the semis were 40. So that so that would be like like my Martin in Maine. Um, the average, you know, probably averaged high 30s, low 40s, and uh, that that's what they did at the last auction, um, and and so that's that's a that's pretty strong for Martin. Good demand. Uh, very limited harvest. Uh, I, I'm going to speculate here. I really don't know the answer to this, but I know we used to get the market used to get a lot of Russian sables, and those, I, I don't. I think the quality was not where the North American, like the the Alaskan type Martin, is. I mean, I've seen some of those sables on videos and stuff, and they don't look. They're not much more special than than a lot of the what you would call like the the semis or the you know the 
the third section stuff around here. So um, I would suspect that a lot of those are not on the market right now due to uh, sanctions with Russia. And I, I think that, well, and I mean, there's, there are how many tens of thousands more than there are a couple hundred thousand Russians in Ukraine right now fighting. I mean, so there's a lot of people that probably are from rural areas of Russia that would have been trapping that wouldn't, that, that are at war. But, but I would suspect that it's kind of a niche market and that a limited supply is resulting in pretty decent prices. I mean, it's not on fire or anything, but it's decent. Otter, I listened to the Otter auction, um, and it actually the numbers here look better than what I felt the auction was going to do based on what was going on in the room. Uh, 4300 Otter, and they averaged $27.00. 74% of them sold. I would have, I would have guessed it was going to be like like $20 just just the the way a bunch of that stuff was selling. So maybe it picked up or maybe they they threw in some private treaty sales or something, but the otter were were seemed to be a tough sell. Fisher um Fisher was averaged between 35 and $44. Females were around 35, males were 44. Um, so yeah, again, very similar, similar to Martin and similar to the last auction. Canada Lynx sold a hundred percent, the, uh, 73% of the Fisher sold hundred percent of Lynx sold and they averaged $114. That's so that's good. That was 1,809 Lynx. That's, that is really good. Um, again, maybe, maybe limited supply there. Bobcat, I felt was pretty pretty disappointing um 6300 on offer only half of the bobcat sold um so they held back a lot of them the uh, canadian sold well put it this way it the it's the trend that we've seen with bobcat is kind of continuing where and i don't i don't know why this is but the lower end cats are getting better, are, are getting better prices, and the top quality Western bobcats are coming down. And so I don't know if that's just the, the luxury market just is not doing well, but the limited supply is pushing up uh, the prices for the lower end stuff. I, I have no idea. Um, could just be the ones that they decided to hold back were some of the better Westerns, but the, the overall Western uh, Bobcats sold for average of $250 and the Canadians were 125 uh, about about half of that and uh, they that's the best average I've seen on Canadian Bobcats in a long time northern were $95 and central were over 100 107 so for a lot of auctions in recent years that's been 30 to 60 dollars for those central type Bobcats so uh, $107, $108, that's pretty awesome. Um, but again, limited species that not everybody gets to trap for, so so kind of um, not everybody is able to take advantage of those good prices. Uh, muskrat, which pretty much anybody can trap for because they're all over the place. There were over a quarter million muskrats offered and pretty much none of them sold. Um 
Very, very little movement in the rat market. Just uh, no demand. No demand. Red Fox, two-thirds of the Red Fox sold. The Eastern Red Fox are 10 bucks. Northern, 1947. Western, 10 bucks. And Central, $4.53. So, you know, another staple species that a lot of people trap for. And they're just selling terrible. Um, coyotes, only 23% of the coyotes sold. The Western coyotes, remember these Western coyotes that were once selling for over $100 average were $24.87. Eastern coyotes were $11.20. The Eastern U.S. coyotes, which are, were more, they'd be more like the, probably like the Ohio, Pennsylvania type, that area. Um, I, I would assume um, the grading is a little different at this auction. They were $4.21. The overall coyote average for all coyotes that sold in the auction was $18.88. There were 41,000 coyotes um, on offer and only a quarter of them sold. So there's a lot of coyotes that are sitting in that auction room. And my fear is, and I think this is likely, is that them coyotes are going to go stale um you're you're almost not going to be able to give them away they're going to be similar to raccoons um there were 34,780 raccoons offered at the auction about half of them sold the canadian coons uh sold for seven dollars and 53 cents which was pretty good but look at this the western heavy raccoons which is oftentimes your best um your best price coons, they were $3.38. Eastern U.S. were $2.58. Um, virtually no raccoon market um, as well. Skunk did good. $12.66 for skunks. A dollar for squirrels. four thirty-three for weasels. Um, not too bad with 100% selling 5,628 weasels on the auction. Um, Badger, again, did well, just like last time. Very limited supply, only 200 on offer, and they averaged about 30 bucks. Uh, Wolverine, 400, um, and wolves, uh, pretty much all the wolves sold uh, anywhere from uh, $150 to 500 bucks. But, yeah, in general, uh, beaver did really well again, and uh, some of the species that are in real limited supply uh, did pretty decent and the rest of the market just uh it's just it's what it, it's what it was it's what it's been um kind of struggling along and uh a lot of fur is is not moving uh the end of may you kind of want he to me you want to go into the next selling season um with most of your fur cleared out they did that with beaver which was good um did that with with a few of the other species but um, the coyotes, the raccoon, the muskrat, and the red fox. Um, it's going to be hard. It's going to be a hard sell in, in the mink that are left. It's it's going to be, uh, it's just going to continue to weigh on the market as next year's fur harvest comes in. So hope for the best. Hopefully we'll, we'll see some improvement, but that's where the market is right now. And with that, hey, it was good to sit down again with you guys. Um, it's been a little while i hope to do it again probably in about a month and uh until next time hey check out my recent books walter arnold main trapper stories from one of the last mountain men and more than wolverine an alaska wilderness trap line you can 
pick those up either on Amazon.com or go to my website, uh, trappingtodaystore.com, and uh, you can you can find those books. Very much appreciate you picking those up. And uh, for folks who are looking forward to next trapping season, maybe it'll kind of give you a, a little something to pass the time until trapping season comes along. So till next time, guys, keep on talking trapping. Keep on thinking trapping. We'll catch you on the next episode.